Yeah, I love what John Boyce said. He said, the resurrection of Christ is the amen of all his promises. Mm. Wow. It's so pithy, but so powerful, you know, it is. It's the, it's the exclamation point on everything. It's that the icing ever on said. the chocolate cake. It's the sprinkles on top of the icing <laughs> on the chocolate cake. <laughs> what cream. comes after that? It's the foam on top of your espresso. <laughs> ah, no, not <laughs> coffee. Don't no, even talk about well, coffee. Yeah. Wait, wait. Did you guys hear that? Do you blokes know what that sound is? That is the sound of calm and tranquility coming from a man who was working out at the gym at 5 a.m. this morning. What time do you guys go to the gym every day? I was there at six. Oh, what a slacker. <laughs> you know, I jogged to the gym. And uh, ever since yeah, once home, a month, though, yeah, right. I'm there five days a week. No, no, man, no, no, no. I'm, I'm, I'm in. I'm in. You made me look up bloke. It's a man, right? Down under Come statement. on, Mark. You know what um, bloke meant? Those who go to the gym need to. Yeah. Now, okay. So I'm, I'm jogging. I jogged at the gym in the morning. You guys remember the whole dog incident that happened to me? Yeah. So now I do have my pepper spray and my knife because the other day I was leaving home and seven in the morning spray. and there were two coyotes just like right just maybe a few hundred yards from my house, just cruising around the street. So, and what comes to mind, the verse, right? Oh, there's a, the lazy man, there's a lion in the street. So I push my, I know I could get attacked by coyotes, but I'm not going to be bound. Do you them. wave to my son's ring doorbell as you go by his house? <laughs> I do. do you, I did he this go, morning. Does he pass by your front yeah. door? He has a compilation of my waves at his doorbell. That's funny. Speaking of waves, is it legal to carry pepper spray in California? Yes. Are you allowed a stick? No, remember, I tried to get one of those uh, That's right. retractables. Oh, I wanted one of those retractables like the police have, and those are illegal here, the batons. There's like a six-inch rule or something like that, isn't there? Yeah, that's ridiculous. But, Ray, speaking of working what out about bazookas? Stuff, are bazookas still legal? Those are legal, yes. Okay, well, and grenades, uh, tanks? And uh, Uzis. P-52s. Tanks, too. Portable tanks. Ray, speaking of working out, you used to do a lot of push-ups. Yes. And then you stopped. Now, here's the thing. Ray's the kind of person who when he starts something, he does it forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. Forever. Amen. Forever. Forever. <laughs> <laughs> Just like that, right? He started saying amen anytime someone says forever. That's because I said the Lord's Prayer for 10 years and it, begin, it ends with forever and ever. Amen. So if someone says forever, I immediately just go into amen mode. I can't yeah. help it. Amen. But Ray, that's your life. Anything you start, you do, you do constantly and incessantly and forever. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> when you're in New Zealand, you start open air preaching and you did it nearly every day for 12 years, Huntington, every week, whatever, blah, blah, blah. Why didn't you keep doing push-ups? Because you were doing push-ups every because day. Because my biceps got too big. <laughs> and uh, my shirt started stretching. And I because thought, of your I chest? Yeah, <laughs> I, I didn't increase an inch and three quarters, so I stopped, and six weeks it was gone. Oh, <laughs> so Arnold, Arnold's just shrinking by day. But, Ray, what's the big deal about your chest growing? That's what men Because I had to change all my shirts. It was big ridiculous. deal, get new shirts. I like my shirts. <laughs> You'd go from a small to a medium. I don't know what the big deal is. <laughs> with extra small. You extra small, extra small to, to a small. small. <laughs> extra small to a small. Besides, I'm shrinking as I get older. We're all shrinking, so oh. just give up. Up. Ray, you're the ideal guy for exercise because you will do it so consistent. You, you could be so ripped. Remember that video I showed you of that 70-something-year-old that was like... Yeah, but the thing is you end up with a ripped body and a prune face. <laughs> so you want to match? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, yeah, it's just like, come on. His goal is to match his face his and body. Face with his head with his body. <laughs> what a great philosophy, Ray. Uh-huh. Don't work out so your face and body don't mismatch. I love it. 
All right, guys. Um, on that note, we're talking about, to some degree, new bodies today, because that's incorporated into our topic, which is the resurrection. And, you know, very few things excite me as much as the truth of the resurrection. Look at Mark's trying to peek at Ray's notes. Well, hey, I got to share something before we get on the subject. Yeah, tell everybody about Mark's sin. No, no, no. That's all under the blood. Oh, you forgiven Mark my, for what Stole my notes. It's all well, I've forgiven. I'm just not letting him near me. But he's not coming near me. I'm getting an axe between Mark and I, and his fingers are going if he reaches out. I got an email today from someone in New Zealand, and it said this. I met the Wizard of Christchurch today. I told him about the documentary that Ray had made about him recently. That's the full, you know, it begins yes. with the wizard. He didn't know anything about it, and I showed him a portion of it and sent him the link. He was quite chuffed, which means he's excited about it. And he was there and was looking forward to watching it when he got home. So Aww. pray for my friend, the wizard. For those who don't know, we cross swords almost every day for 12 years. He's yeah. very anti-Christian, but we were great friends. Very fascinating guy, very intelligent. And, he's and quite legendary, right? In New Zealand? Very, very I mean, in well, that, and in area? Australia, yeah. What's in Australia, name? too? Uh, in Brackenbury Channel is his real name. Wow. Known That's to friends. Better as, to go by the wizard. Well, no, his <laughs> friends called him Jack, not yeah. in Brackenbury Channel, because he was English. That's a very, And then he was known as the wizard. Wow. But, I got um, to meet him once when we were yeah, in New Zealand. Yeah, well, he got to meet you. Oh, yes, of course. Emil Zwayne. But he was quite the legend there, and you guys crossed swords, but there was a. There was a, a warm affection between the two of you. Though. Yeah, we used I mean, to go really to lunch together and have cups of tea together, and he's my best heckler. If he jumped in my crowd, I would just go wild with joy wow. seeing him standing in the yeah. crowd because he was so good at it. He but knew he knew what it to helped do. you too, right? I mean, he, he, he did it to help did it me, yeah. Favor, he yeah. Did, he'd come in, he'd come in the crowd and he'd stand there and go, oh, oh, here goes. He'd have a cigar in his hand. He'd bend back, put his finger to the sky and say, you Bible-bashing Baptist. <laughs> it wasn't even a Baptist, <laughs> but it sounded good and it pulled the crowd in. So uh, oh. I love him. And he's getting on. It'd be great if he got saved. That must have been fun, Ray. Yeah, very much him. so. But yeah, that, that's I love that. And I think the full does it have like over a million views now? Over a million, yes. Wow, he's yeah. gonna. How exciting for him that yes. you know he's a part of that. All right. So as I was saying, the resurrection, guys. This is so foundational to our faith. We've talked before about how it's kind of peculiar that it's. Oftentimes, the one thing that's left out of the gospel presentation, it's half the gospel, right? The death and resurrection of Christ, the gospel proper, 1 Corinthians 15. But... Sound like Jake Van Impe. Oh, yeah. Don't, don't, yeah. Hey, Roxella. You don't know anything about that, Oscar? You're whippersnapper. No you know anything about Christian history? <laughs> Jack Van Impe just knew the Bible off by heart, didn't he? He, he, was, just, he was a guy on TV. I didn't, I didn't follow him, you know, neither did Ray, but we would hear him and he would quote anything he'd say, he'd quote a scripture after it. This morning I had a bre- eggs for breakfast, Revelation 2-4. <laughs> <laughs> it was like that, wasn't it? It was absolutely, there's no exaggeration at all. Thank you, Roxella, and his wife, yes. Roxella. Oh, anyway. Hey, thank you, Jack. But let me kick us off with this, this verse and I'll let you guys ramble on. Now, if Christ is preached that he has been raised from the dead. First Corinthians 15, 12 to 18. Now, if Christ, did I not say it? <laughs> Thank you, Roxella. <laughs> I can't remember if I said it or not. Now, if Christ has preached that he has been raised from the dead, how do some among you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? But if there is no resurrection of the dead, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, then our preaching is empty and your faith is also empty. Yes, and we are found false witnesses of God because we have testified of God that he raised up Christ, 
whom he did not raise up, if in fact the dead do not rise. For if the dead do not rise, then Christ is not risen. And if Christ is not risen, your faith is futile. You are still in your sins. Then also those who have fallen asleep in Christ have perished. Oh, that is like... (laughs) Jack Van Impey. No, but that is like so, so crucial and foundational to Christianity. And so let's talk about the resurrection. I love the way you started it out because you're absolutely right. We often talk about Jesus dying for us. And that's a phrase that we'll hear often, Jesus died for you. And that's only partial. That's only a partial understanding, as you mentioned, to the gospel. Another huge, often overlooked portion of it is exactly what we're talking about, which is the resurrection, which is a, a declaration of victory. And as he's uh, Paul's alluding to in there, it, it was also the solidification of the apostles' faith. Right. Because don't forget that Jesus died threw everything up against the wind. The apostles went into hiding. They stumbled in their understanding. Peter essentially backslid in his denial of Christ. He's dead for three days. Think about like the the torment, the uncertainty, the anguish that Jesus' followers went from Friday to Sunday thinking it's all over. It's all done. You know, and then on Sunday he resurrects, right. and they meet him face to face with holes in his hands. It solidified and affirmed who he said he was. As Paul is saying, if he didn't resurrect, then this is all for naught. We are, as Christians, we're not talking about lofty philosophical ideas. We're not just discussing presuppositional philosophy. We are talking about a historical figure, a Middle Eastern man who claimed to be God and then proved it to be true by resurrecting himself from the dead and then proclaiming that that has an impact on our eternal souls because his resurrection is now our resurrection victory. Wow. Well, you know, um, it really shows something about the nature of the Lord because if I'd been Jesus, I would have gone to Caiaphas' house rather than the disciples, knocked on the door. <laughs> hey! Hey! <laughs> I'm back, you know. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, he went to the disciples. I know, you And know. Mary. The first to see. He just said, Mary, and that means what an incredible thing in the garden. Oh, yeah. She didn't recognize the story as the gardener, uh, but he was the one that made the garden, and then he just says her name. And to think that the Lord knows your name. Oh, man. Easy. I- I try to envision, you know, that moment with Mary. And Mark also, Oscar alluded to the fact that the disciples were in hiding. You know, they they weren't really clued in into the the resurrection. I mean, it was like later they remembered. He said, tear down this temple in three days, I'll, I'll, I'll resurrect it, you know. Even with his death, they, they Peter rebuked him, not so, Lord, you know, and they didn't quite get it at yeah. times. And that was kind of uh, Jesus's MO at times when, he would speak in parables oftentimes, and they would go to Jesus and say, uh, you know, now you speak plainly, yeah. you know, to us. It, a lot of things that Jesus did is kind of taken in in hindsight, you know, to some degree. Yeah. I like what you were saying about the resurrection, Oscar. You know, the, the resurrection is one of the greatest scholastic, biblical things that we have that authenticate and prove uh, the deity of Christ. 
right? Because only the creator of life can raise himself up. You know, and this is what he says in John 2.19. Jesus answered and said to them, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. Mm. Which is different from Acts 3.15, which says, and they killed the prince of life whom God raised from the dead, of which we are witnesses. Now compare that to Romans 8.11. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead, right? So we have a beautiful picture of the triune Godhead working together for the greatest act ever to take place. You know, we, we think back and we say, you know, the greatest moment in history was, on, was when man walked on the moon, but really it was when God walked on the earth. And I, Ray, you had a really great quote. Uh, I don't want to steal your thunder if you, if you have it in your notes. I haven't looked this time. This time. Um, but uh, you're talking about the greatest noise, the greatest sound. Greatest sound, yeah. Yeah. Were you going to share that? It just came to mind as you were speaking. But you can share it if you want. I'm used to it. Okay. <laughs> uh, the greatest sound in history was the first and faint heartbeat of the resurrected Son of God. Its thunderous implications will forever echo through a world without end. I'm supposed to say some some. <laughs> just to show how tiny that sound was. But the implications of that tiny sound thunders throughout the universe. Yeah. Because oh. it meant man had, had the door to immortality open with that thump, thump. Right. And you the know, lifeless body of the Son of God. I mean, as Christians, when we talk about this, I know all of our hearts right now are stirred within us, you know, because we have been redeemed. Our eyes have been opened. The gospel is precious to us, you know, and, and I imagine that. And I get the chills, like... The first heartbeat, the first breath drawn by the resurrection. There's a cold, Christ. lifeless body. Wow. In, in, a, in the grip of death. Yeah. Icy cold and then foom, foom. Oh, man. Yeah, I love what John Boyce said. He said, The resurrection of Christ is the amen of all his promises. Mm. Wow. It's so pithy, but so powerful. You know, it is. It's the, it's the, exclamation point on everything it's that he ever said. It's the icing on the said. chocolate cake. It's the sprinkles on top of the icing <laughs> on the chocolate cake. <laughs> what cream. comes after that? It's the foam on top of your espresso. <laughs> ah, no, not <laughs> coffee. Don't <laughs> even talk oh, about oh, coffee, yeah. Oscar. We often quote Philippians 3, 7 through 11, where Paul talks about what things were gained to him. You know, he counted as a loss. And, and he gave that whole thing. He counted them as rubbish. And then he said, not having a righteousness of my own, which is through the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, a righteousness which is from God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. And then he goes on from there. But he talked about knowing the power of his resurrection. The power loaded in the resurrection is a power beyond description. Again, all of Christianity pivots on that hinge. And, you know, scripture talks about how it's actually through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead that we're born again, you know? So, Mark, there are a lot of critics that like to cast doubt on the resurrection, but Jesus didn't rise again in a vacuum. He appeared to witnesses. He validated his resurrection by making it. 500. Yeah, 500 witnesses. Can I say something here? I hear that a lot as a proof of the resurrection and a proof of Christianity, but doesn't that come back to faith? You just have to believe there were 500 witnesses. So if an atheist or someone says, I don't believe that, it nullifies it. Right. Would it not be better to say the power of the resurrection can be a reality of your own personal miracle? The same God that raised Christ from the dead 
can make your dead body alive, and that can be your personal miracle, that God is supernatural. I heard a, a celebrity recently saying, I'm a believer, I'm spiritual, and he was testifying to, to, to the reality of God, but he says, I have a big problem with a burning bush. Huh. And, and the really? interviewer says, what do you mean by that? He says, I just got a big I don't know what to do with it. And then he talks about the magic of Jesus and the magic of the Bible, talking of the miracles. But if God has proven himself to you by quickening you and making you a new person in Christ, then you have no problem with him manifesting himself as a burning bush, walking on water, feeding them the 5,000, raising the dead, because he's given you your own personal miracle of a new heart with new desires. Open right. the eyes of your understanding. And I, and I think, Ray, 100%, I agree with you. And I think that that is the testimony that we ultimately need to have within our foundation of Christianity, because we often will hear apologists come along and say, if you present evidence to me that Jesus didn't rise from the dead, I'd be willing to deny the faith. But I, all the evidence that I've studied up to this point has led me to this place to believe that I'm in the truth, but I'll leave the onus on you. If you want to try to persuade me, you can. And I don't think that there, there's integrity uh, attached to that, right? Because my spirit bears witness with his spirit that I'm a child of God. You know, we, we often use the example, Ray, of can, can I convince you that your wife is not real? Mm. And that's ridiculous because I know my wife and I, and I love my wife, right? The, the, rolling, the rolling away of the stone was not to let Jesus out, it was to let the world in, right? Jesus could have easily walked through the stone. And you consider, right, Christianity is the only true story where the hero dies for the villain. I often like to say that when I'm giving a gospel presentation, right? He paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt we could never pay. Ultimately, everything lies and rests upon this one fact. Jesus rose again from the dead. And it is the only religion, and I have it here somewhere, I believe. Christianity is the only religion where its followers go to its founder's tomb to see that he's not there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we did that. Like that. Oh, that's good. We did that in Jerusalem, didn't we? Yeah, and Mark, those are such great, great points. You know, obviously we know that there's historical evidence for the resurrection of Christ, and Scripture attests to that, history attests to that. But that does not equal faith and regeneration. I mean, you think about it. Think about the guards that were at the tomb, right? Matthew 28, 11 to 15. Now, while they were going, behold, some of the guard came into the city and reported to the chief priests all the things that had happened. When they had assembled with the elders and consulted together, they gave a large sum of money to the soldiers saying, tell them his disciples came at night and stole him away while he slept. And if this comes to the governor's ears, we will appease him and make you secure. So they took the money and did as they were instructed. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. So, of anyone who bore witness to the resurrection, it was the guards. Yeah. I mean, they knew that Christ rose from there. They came and reported that. And look how quickly they were bought off mm. with money. You know, you, you think of the fact that there were those that saw Christ do miracles, right? The people who saw Jesus raise Lazarus from the dead. It wasn't like, whoa, it was like they wanted to put him to death, <laughs> the religious leaders, you know? So it's important for us to remember that just because there are evidences, that doesn't equal saving faith. I mean, you think of, of Lazarus and the rich man, right? In Abraham's bosom. What did, what did Father Abraham say? No, he said, please send to them, you know, let me go and t- let someone from the dead go and tell me. He said, no, even if someone rises from the dead, it, they have Moses and the prophets. 
if they don't believe them, they're not even going to believe someone who was raised from the dead. Hey, listener. Have you ever imagined yourself having a box of goodies for you to give away to every friend, loved one, non-believer that crosses your path? Well, now you can get one. That's because Living Waters is giving away 10 free boxes of goodies every single week. That's eight in the USA and two overseas. And this is being made possible by a faithful partner of ours that has given us funds to make these resources available to you for free. Each of these boxes has a hundred dollars. That's right, $100 worth of tracks, books, and even your very own podcast mug. Go to livingwaters.com forward slash podcast, fill out the form, and then listen to the end of the episodes where we will be announcing our winners. Livingwaters.com forward slash podcast. Good luck. Could I just say something and ask a question, you guys? Is Christianity the only religion that sings? That sings? Sings. We sing all the time. It's a singing religion. Our pastor actually talks about that quite a bit in his sermons. But I don't know that it's the only one, but it's definitely... Uh, yeah, no. I mean, you, you consider like Mormonism, you have the... No, no, I'm thinking about Muslims and Hindus. Do Hindus get together and sing about the joy Muslims of... sing. Uh, yeah. They do a or chant. Hindus chant. Yeah. Um, yeah. But, but not... Not to the degree that, that Christianity incorporates. We rejoice in the resurrection. That's what we sing about. The yeah. death is destroyed over a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. Well, one thing is true. We're, we are the only religion that, that sings worship to the true God. Amen. Mm. Mm. Right. I want to go back to something that you said, Mark, because uh, I totally disagree. No, I totally agree. Um, <laughs> which, is, which is the reality that we can, that someone would say something to the effect of like, well, if you present me with evidence. The other presupposition that happens with that kind of statement is that we make our choices about what we believe based off of the way we think about facts, but we are not facts-based creatures. God did not create us to be rational brains on sticks. We are first and foremost lovers. We love our way through life. We've talked about this in a previous podcast. And that's the reason why the scripture tells us that that our hearts need to be softened to the reality of his resurrection. And so there are so many people that will be faced with facts and still deny them. And I do think even though we can't depend on facts to bring us to salvation, I don't want to pass over what you said, Easy which is that history attests to the resurrection. That goes as far as respected historians who have studied the resurrection that are not Christian will not deny that it didn't happen. The furthest that they'll go is say, 500 people plus the disciples believed he was resurrected. They won't bring the conclusion to some of the often pop culture atheist statements like grave robbers stole it. Most historians go that it doesn't make sense that grave robbers, because for example, it says that the incense were left behind. If a grave robber stole his body, they would have stolen the wealthiest products that were in there, which would have been the incense, but they left them behind. Or one of the other statements is that, oh, the apostles hid his body. If the apostles did something like that, they would have done it in a much better manner. The, the mere fact that Jesus revealed himself to the women first mm. is an attestation to the reality of what happened. Because remember that this happened in incredibly massive 
I can never say this word. Go around it. The man, <laughs> man-focused <clears throat> culture, mis, misina, masina, misogynistic. misogynistic. Thank you, yeah, my Mexican no accent. Problem. <laughs> An incredibly misogynistic culture that went as far as denying the proclamation of women. So if a woman went to a judge and said, I saw this happen, they'd throw it out. They were less than second-class citizens. Mm. But the reality is that Jesus revealed himself to them first. And so if the apostles were trying to make up a story, Mary would not have been the first person to see Jesus. Mm. The apostles would not have wrote themselves into the story like fools cowarding in the night, requiring a woman to come tell them Jesus is alive. Right. right? So the, the, the math just simply does not add up. Even though you're absolutely right that we cannot rely on facts for our salvation, when it comes to the resurrection, historical facts are significant that it actually yeah. happened. What would happen if scientists said we have discovered the body of Jesus, his bones? What would happen to some people's faith? Would it be shaken? Uh, some they, people's faith is very shallow. I mean, yeah. the, the truth of the matter is that's not going to happen because yes, the greatest source of authority has already told us what has happened to the body of Christ. So the moment we begin to trust a lesser source, we are showing our true colors that that is our true source of authority, which is man, man's words as opposed to God's words. And that's so embraced so often by so many. Well, they'll quote history books to, to try and discredit the scriptures. Yeah. They believe the word of man rather than the word of God. Yeah. And Oscar, you, you made some very valid points. I mean, the Romans definitely had no incentive in stealing the body. The Jews had no incentive in stealing the body. And if the disciples did it, well, then they, they gave their job. lives. <laughs> they gave their lives for a lie. And if you typically are trying to promote a lie, obviously it's for your own benefit and gain if they wanted to start this religion so people can follow them. Well, now it's, hey, confess that you made this up and live or hold to it and die. And they chose death, the majority of the apostles. Or one of the other really foolish, uneducated arguments against the resurrection is that it was a hallucination, that people just saw it. The thing is is that hallucinations, hallucinations, wow. (laughs) It does not happen to 500 plus eyewitnesses over the course of 40 days. It wasn't just like this thing that was happening over there. Like Jesus showed up and was like, I'm hungry. Let's barbecue some fish. <laughs> he spent time with them, right? Yeah. Like that doesn't happen in a hallucination. Mm. And, and Ray, the transformation of, of the disciples. I mean, you think of Peter. He was cowering with the other disciples and then suddenly he's standing up on the day of Pentecost. I love what Jesus said, go tell the disciples and Peter. Yeah. Because yeah. he was grieving. He wept bitterly. He just wasn't weeping. He was choking himself. After his denial. Yeah, after his denial, like Moses was in denial. I read a quote many years ago that says, the resurrection is not merely important to the historic Christian faith. Without it, there would be no Christianity. It is the singular doctrine that elevates Christianity above all other world religions. Mm. Through the resurrection, Christ demonstrates that he does not stand in a line of peers with Abraham, Buddha, or Confucius. He is utterly unique. He has the power not only to lay down his life, but to take it up again. Wow. So I good. love that. Yeah. And then you have, you have the, again, the, the power of the resurrection. I mean, in Romans 8, 11, it says, but if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who indwells you. I mean, the spirit 
that raised Jesus from the dead dwells in us. I mean, you think of the fact that that was referenced, right. it demonstrates the power of the resurrection and that that same power is in us because God's spirit indwells us. That's important too, because we've been talking about the resurrection as it pertains to a non-believer or as we convert to become followers of Jesus. But that verse shows us or reminds us that the resurrection is something for Christians, yeah. uh, seasoned Christians to reflect on, yeah. to realize that the reality of that power is within us, or even the, the, the hopefulness that the resurrection brings. As we, you know, we have a Living Waters family member who just lost a brother. And for us, whose bodies are withering and fading and breaking down, and for friends who are struggling through cancer, like the promise of the resurrection is that we are going to one day experience a same kind of resurrection, a newness in full bodily form that all of the suffering, all of the pain, all of the tears will be gone one day and we will experience perfect, pure bodies in the presence of our Lord and Savior. So an unbeliever might say, how do I know that to be true? Well, God seals you with the Holy Spirit. And I, I think scripture calls it the earnest of our inheritance. Guarantee, yeah. A guarantee of that which has to come. So if I said to you guys, I'm going to give you a million dollars in 20 minutes, and as a token of good faith, I give you $100,000 now, you could look at the $100,000 now and know you're going to get the million. Right. And that's what God's done. He's sealed us with his Holy Spirit as a token of that which is to come, proof that he keeps his word. Will you be Venmoing me that 100000 <laughs> how, how are you sending me that 100000 Oh, uh, I'd PayPal. Okay. <laughs> you know, and, and I read Romans eight eleven a minute ago about the, the power that raised Jesus from the dead dwelling in us. But then you see the outworking of that in the lives of, of the, the disciples. I mean, Acts 4.33, with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. There wasn't this timidity, this right. sort of like, yeah, this, uh, you know, he rose from the dead, like some kind of fairy tale that they made up. It was with great power. And it's because the resurrected Christ had consumed them, you know, and, and his spirit filled them, the one that raised him from the dead. So when we talk about the power and the miracle of the resurrection, we're not talking about the power of God being wonderful in raising Jesus from the dead because we know that God can do anything. He created the whole universe. So raising him from then, this I think this is Paul is alluding to in Acts 26, 6 to 8. And now I stand and am judged for the hope of the promise made by God to our fathers. To this promise, our 12 tribes earnestly serving God night and day hope to attain. For this hope's sake, King Agrippa, I'm accused by the Jews. Why should it be thought an incredible thing by you that God raises the dead? Well, I right, mean, a little wow. finger of God could raise the whole of him. Oh, he's going to. One shout yeah. is going to raise the, uh, like Jesus spoke to Lazarus, his voice brought him out. So the same shout is going to raise the dead. Presbyterians first. Was it the dead raised first? <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. No, that's so, I'm so glad you brought that out, Ray, because yeah, it, it's not beyond God to do anything of that sort, you know, but you think about the beauty connected to the gospel, you know, first that God would die for his enemies. You know, anyone could make that claim. Anyone could say, hey, he did it to do that. But to, to make up something as impossible as someone rising from the dead it's just preposterous. Mark Dever said something really powerful. He said, the first century Jews, thousands and thousands of them suddenly changed their normal day of worship from Saturday to Sunday. Sociologists tell us that the most ancient parts of a culture are found in its religious rites. 
They are the most conservative elements of culture, the least likely and slowest to change. What then can account for the sudden change around the Mediterranean among thousands of first century Jews from worshiping on Saturday to worshiping on Sunday? <laughs> you think about like the heaviness of the Sabbath. You well, know, to for, this day too. I mean, think about when you go to church on Sunday morning, you are celebrating every Sunday, not just Easter Sunday. Every Sunday we go to church to celebrate his resurrection. For the last 2,000 years, every week on a Sunday, <laughs> his church, his people have gathered to worship and celebrate his resurrection. Christianity begins where all other religions end at death, somebody once said, and it begins at the resurrection. You know, we, we, we celebrate the resurrection. That is our hope is in a resurrected uh, body. I, uh, do, do I have time to share a little story that I like to share? Please. Um, yeah, we could go out and come back. That would be really <laughs> great if one of you would. Which one? I, I, I like to share with different friends and family how to have a, uh, a devotion, if you would, uh, during holiday season and yeah. stuff. And I have one during Easter, a little paragraph here that I like to share uh, with my kids and I've shared with many other and it's a story about this little, a little boy named Philip who was born with Down syndrome. He attended a third grade Sunday school class with several eight-year-old boys and girls. And typical of that age, uh, the children did not readily accept Philip because of his differences. And according to an article in uh, Leadership Magazine, he had a very creative teacher who began to care for Philip and accepted him as part of the group. Well, the Sunday after Easter, the teacher brought in a bunch of those uh, plastic eggs, those colorful eggs where you put candy and stuff inside. Yeah. And the teacher had given each child one of those plastic eggs and said, hey, go outside on the spring day and put some sort of a symbol for new life inside that egg-like container. And then bring it back in the classroom and we'll take a look. And so they did so. And the teacher began to open them up one after the next, finding a flower or a leaf or something where the class would go ooh and ah, until finally the teacher opened up an egg and it was empty. The children exclaimed, well, that's stupid. That's not fair. Somebody didn't do their assignment. And then Philip spoke up and he said, that's mine. Well, Philip, you don't ever do things right. The student cried out. There's nothing there. I did so do it right. I did it. I did do it. The tomb was empty. Silence followed. From then on, Philip became a full member of the class for he's, he alone got it right. Wow. Well, Philip died not long after from an infection that most children would have shrugged off. And at the funeral, this class of eight-year-olds marched right up to the altar, not with flowers, but with their Sunday school teacher, each to lay an empty egg on his casket. Wow. The power mm. lies in an empty tomb. Right, we we celebrate a resurrected Savior. He, it was not possible for the grave to hold back the Creator of life. Yeah. We must never forget. Amen. Yeah, and we also have to remember that the resurrection was not some sort of random event that kind of the disciples thought up on a spur of the moment. You know, it was prophesied, and that's what Peter talked about in Acts chapter two, where he referenced uh, David you know, in the Psalms where, where he said, you know, you didn't leave your Holy One to see corruption. And so it, that, that is clear that this was something that was a part of God's eternal plan for the redemption of man, that his son would be the substitutionary atonement, give his life and then seal it with his resurrection, defeating death. You know, we often use the word fantastic in a funny way, like 
we had a fantastic time, but the yeah. scriptures are fantastic in the truest sense of the word. Mm. It's like fantasy. Jesus Christ has abolished death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And then you look at Hebrews. For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he himself took part of the same, that he could pass through death and destroy him who had the power of death, even the devil, and deliver those who the, through the fear of death were all their lifetime subject to bondage. So Satan had the power of death. And then Revelation says, Jesus said, I am he that lives and was dead and behold my life forevermore and have the keys to death and hell. Wow. He snatched them off Satan, kicked over his throne and gave us victory uh, through the cross and the resurrection. Ah. What, a, what a glorious gospel and how fantastic that is Absolutely. until you're born again. God opens the eyes of your understanding and notice it's true, it's true. Yeah, amen. It's, it's uh, interesting how there's a distinction between what the cross does for us. The cross should bring us to a place of humility and repentance to see that it is, it is our sins and it is the wrath that we deserve that pins him up on that cross. Uh, but the resurrection brings us up to a place of rejoicing of a living hope because he is alive, because he has conquered sin and death and because his victory is our victory. And I want to say to, to somebody who might be listening to this, uh, you know, we're recording this uh, a few weeks before Easter Sunday. I'm imagining it'll probably come out before that. So if, if somebody sent this to you, if a believer friend of yours or family member sent this to you and you're not a believer, I want you to imagine what it would be like getting a letter in the mail saying that you've just inherited $10 million from a, from a dead uncle or aunt. Uh, and I heard somebody describe it like this. Like at first we all get those letters in the mail often. And so often it's, it's junk, it's fake, it's not real. They're trying to manipulate us. But what if you started getting phone calls from other friends and family member telling you, hey, did you hear about that inheritance that you're gonna get? If people around you that knew you and loved you started, started saying something similar then this letter that you received in the mail is at least worth looking into. Yeah. It's at least worth considering. And so I might say to you, consider the reality of the resurrection. Consider the good news that you have received, that it is true, that God has incarnated himself, that he experienced the fullness of the wrath of God and that he didn't stay dead. Yeah. He resurrected, conquering sin and death on your behalf mm. so that you can experience life and hope in Christ. Well put. Ray. Life is like a, a tunnel. And if you're not a Christian, the train's heading for you. But if you are a Christian, <laughs> there's light at the end of the tunnel and it's the glorious hope of the gospel that we're heading for. Amen. When, I, when I'm sharing the gospel with people and I, I've brought myself and them to this, this climax of the resurrection. I, I like to quote Jesus when he said, I'm the resurrection and the life. You know, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. And then I say this, which is what Jesus said. You know, do you believe this? Yeah. Do you believe this? Do you believe? Because you, you've brought them through the law. You're going through the gospel. And now it's time for action. Do you believe the words that I'm sharing with you are true? Wow. Yes. What are you going to do about it? Today's the day of salvation. Today's the day to prepare for your last day. Yeah. I love that Jesus asked that question at the end of that powerful statement. You know? Same when he said, who do men say that I am? Yeah. Who do you say that yeah. I am? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Good. yeah. Sinclair Ferguson said, imagine for a moment the reaction of hell to the death of Christ." Jesus was bound with the bands of death, 
what celebration and joy. God was defeated. Vengeance was the devil's, but they reckoned without the wisdom of God for Christ could not be held down by the bands of death. In fact, through death, he was paralyzing the one who had the power of death and he was setting his people free. What seemed to be defeat was actually victory. The resurrection morning was hell's gloomiest day. Satan saw the wisdom of God and tasted defeat. <laughs> oh. oh man, you know, you think about that, the triumph, you know, and what, what Christ accomplished through that. Again, First Peter makes it very clear in chapter one, verse three, that through his resurrection, we are born again, you know, from mm-hmm. the dead. And so that, that's so important. And I want to just wrap up my portion and whatever you guys would like to say as we, as we close. But I, this is a series of quotes from John MacArthur. He speaks so cogently and, and so clearly, and this is just so powerful. I'm just going to read a few different quotes here kind of together. He said, without the resurrection, Jesus' death becomes the heroic death of a noble martyr, the pathetic death of a madman, or the execution of a fraud. <laughs> you know, it's like, these are your alternatives, basically. Uh, he said, the truth of the resurrection gives life to every other area of gospel truth. The resurrection is the pivot on which all of Christianity turns and without which none of the other truths would much matter. Without the resurrection, Christianity would be so much wishful thinking, taking its place alongside all other human philosophy and religious speculation. Mm-hmm. And that's true. You know, it just makes it, like every other religion that set forth its dogmas and that's it. But we have a living resurrected savior. And he said, uh, so the evidence concerning the resurrection is the empty tomb. And there's no other explanation for the empty tomb than a resurrection. The Jews didn't steal his body. The Romans didn't steal his body. The apostles didn't steal his body. The women didn't steal his body. His enemies had no reason to steal his body and fabricate a resurrection. His friends didn't even believe in a resurrection and nor would they steal his body, fabricate a false resurrection and then go out and die as martyrs for a phony. The angels give the only possible explanation. He's not here Hmm. because he is risen. (laughs) So yeah, guys, that's my piece. Oh, one more. (laughs) Without the resurrection, the cross means nothing for it has no validation. It has no vindication. It has no affirmation. But when God raised Jesus from the dead, he was affirming and validating and vindicating the fact that he had indeed borne our sins in his own body on the cross and had satisfied the justice of God with his sin bearing. Without the resurrection, the cross is meaningless, just another death. Wow. You know, we could, a fitting ending to this program could either be you saying, thank you for joining Living Waters Podcast, or <laughs> Handel's Messiah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, Sing it for us, right? He shall reign forever, forever. I'm not saying amen for this, it's the first time ever. <laughs> he shall reign forever. King of kings and Lord of lords, King of kings and Lord of lords, he shall reign forever and ever, forever and ever, forever and ever. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. And only those that have been born again can really get a grip of what that's actually saying. Otherwise, it's just a really nice, powerful song that people can join in, very mm. famous. Yeah. But, oh, there's no words to describe what joy we have in Christ, that he has destroyed death mm. and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. And the only fitting word is hallelujah. Amen. Oh, I love that. Yeah. And, you know, Ray, I, I, on that note, you wrote a new book with Baker and it just came out. Yeah. Do you remember its name, Ray? He looked at you like I did. Do you remember the name I of the think, book, Ray? No, I, I, <laughs> friends are dying. no, no, it's not that one. I know that. For it those says who don't 12. Know, um, why would anyone. 12 reasons. 
Now, why would anyone follow Jesus? Yes. That's right. Thank the subtitle, you, the Why Would Anyone Follow Jesus? 12 Reasons to Believe that Jesus is the Christ and yes. the Bible is the Word of God. And that's very fitting with what we're talking about today in terms of the gospel and the resurrection. Thanks for embarrassing me. Yes. Only, only Ray forgets a book that he wrote. Oh, yeah, forgets that he wrote a book. A book yeah, yes. altogether. But friends, look, let me just make one thing clear. You often hear us here at the end of the program mention resources. With a book like that, for example, that we make available here through Living Waters, Ray gets nothing from that book. We as a ministry are, are blessed financially. We're doing better than we ever have. We mention these resources because we want you to be equipped. We want you to be blessed. We want you to fulfill the Great Commission. That's why we exist, inspiring equipped Christians and fulfilling the Great Commission. And so when you hear us do that, that's our motive and uh, we're fulfilling the mission that God has given us. Also that you could give it to others so they can get equipped and especially the resources that we have that deal directly with the gospel for the lost. So livingwaters.com, make sure to check it out and then make sure to give us a rating for the podcast, tell others about it and email us at podcasts at livingwaters.com. Thank you for joining us. Handel's Messiah. Forever. I'm in. <laughs> Forever. I'm in. <laughs> chicken dinner. I have no idea where that ridiculous saying came from, but friends, we do have winners. Winners for the podcast giveaway. That is the Living Waters podcast. We have Angela from Yucca Valley, California. Yvonne from Crestline, California. Brooke from Clayton, North Carolina. Andrea from Anderson, Indiana. Elias from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Becca from Lincoln University, Pennsylvania. Lowell from Yakima, Washington. Don from Charleston, Illinois. John from Ford, Australia. Good on you, Mike. And Dave from Will and Lane, United Kingdom. Congrats.